The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Romacraft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time romacraft tobacco the after show the after show the after show it's the after show the show after the show and mickey peg from all saint cigars is still here with us and 14 today, inches of snow. <laughs> 14 inches of snow, and he stayed because he can't leave. Now you can't leave. I saw him out there measuring, and he was like, one, two. two. <laughs> measuring the snow? Yeah, with you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah well. I remember about, I'm Irish. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about. It was the, one inch at a time. It's still a measurement. We're talking about Renaissance um, um, back into the cigar industry. Is there a renewed renaissance or um, renewed enthusiasm happening in the cigar industry. And Mickey's the right guy because he's been through it all, as I have uh, lots of years. We saw the ups and downs. And I think we had some downs in um, the late teens, um, 17, 18, 19. Certainly 20 and 21, COVID comes in. Uh, That's a major disruptor. But here we are in 2023. And we're seeing uh, new people come back in the industry. We're seeing some boutique-y uh, stuff get some attention. It seems like um, the bad days are behind us, and it's back up the road. And for a guy in the finance business, would you say this is a stock in the incline? For the cigar industry? Yeah. I mean, at least from an, from an enthusiasm. I see... You know, I, I think you know we talked about it earlier. There's a little bit of a lull. You know, we had this regulation thing that that, that was uh, really scaring a lot of people with the propriety of 2007 and and, the, and those pieces. And then we came up and we could breathe for a little bit. We take a, what we thought was a breath of fresh air. There was but, things on packaging and changes COVID, you couldn't yeah. do that. Um, you getting into the business where um, the worst time. Absolutely. It's always the worst time, but this really was the worst time. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> You're actually the p- perfect person on this subject. Um, like, who gets into the industry during a time of um, regulation like that where people it looked like a mass exit was going to end up happening, and you came in? I think uh, passion levels all hurdles, you know what I mean? So if, if you look at, uh, you know, it's not me like an alumni shout-out, but if you look at Ricky, who transitioned quite quickly and doing a great job and bringing Rick his Rodriguez. daughter bringing yeah. his daughter into the business. I'm, I'm working on bringing one of my daughters into the business. Uh, you look at Tim getting back in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and when we were out, we were never really out. We were, we were paying attention. Yes. We missed a lot of our old friends. Uh, and, and if you look at, there's other people, if you look at Saka, who kind of maybe kind of kicked that off when he started his company. Nick uh, Malolo, Nick Foundation. Malolo. Yeah, so, get, and then, you know, you had that real kick in the gut. That regulation scared everybody. And, you know, that time we had committed, to, me and Frank had committed to get back in, but we were like, that's it, we're going. 
the passion was there. We were yeah. able to do it. We were all in. We had already committed. I'd already made financial arrangements for us to do it. And yeah, it's again, had to be on that show, and I didn't answer any questions. But yeah. see, I think I think the geek factor is still underground. I don't see and I don't hear on the sales floor the question what's new as much i don't hear people seeking out very specific cigars as often the question i'm starting to hear is what's good because coming out of this little boom that we had so many manufacturers just rushed their product to market and the customer wants to know i don't want to go smoke they don't want to go smoking through 10 different brands you already smoked them Tell me and, which one's smoking better than others. You know, something the economy could have something to do with that, too, that if they're $10 cigars, I have to smoke 10 different things to see which one's good. Let me just ask this guy, hey, which one's good? Finally, because I, get, I was ignored well, people, up until then. Yeah. Well, people went back to work. You know, a lot of that had to go back to work. They weren't smoking the church. You know, we saw a little bit of a Churchill or, or a longer cigar kind of boomish uh, piece during COVID. I think people have new fatigue. I think people have limited edition fatigue. Yeah. And I think they have good or great cigar enthusiasm. You know, when you have the talent like Mr. J and some of the guys down on the floor and some of these great retailers around the United States, like Wooden Indian in my hometown and yeah. stuff like that, you could see that. And a lot, some people say maybe our sales are a little bit down than we were to COVID, but the enthusiasm's there, that, that excitement's there. And, you know, we need that. And, and if you look at PCA, what they're doing, they're trying to make the right changes. They're doing, yeah, they're doing stuff. Everybody thought they were gone in 2017, 18, and said, oh, my God, there's not going to be a trade show anymore. And I, I would say last year was hot. We got some young, enthusiastic, yeah. hardworking SOBs down there yeah. in D.C. And, you know, you know, I'd rather somebody make a mistake and learn from it than, than sit on a goddamn fence and waffle. What, what are we going to do? And, so you, you were in um, working at Georgetown Tobacco. What years? Georgetown Tobacco, I got started there in 1989. Okay, perfect. So 89, it was the worst time in the, in the cigar industry, the late 80s. Oh, yeah. I was in in 85, and um, it was like I was laughed at by cigar manufacturers. And they say, you're getting into the cigar business? This is when everybody's getting yeah, out. Yeah. So you got in before, too. All of a sudden, you saw 1990, 1992, the, the real boom start. The interesting part is right before it was – started and this is the feeling that i get is this the same thing that's happening that the, the feeling of oh this thing's ready to pop again like if you if it was a stock you'd say this thing's ready to pop i think i'll just buy the stock right now right you, you buy stock into and this, people did you, you you did you bought the cigar company yeah so. yeah uh yeah i mean there's people that bought into and you know and we talk we, we don't hide it we have we have some minor investors that own about you know six or seven percent of our company and we and we Went out the market. We basically we're doing the old Tom Sawyer. Pay me ten bucks and I'll let you paint my fence. Yeah, and it was just a bunch of old retired rich guys that just want to say they own part of a cigar company. But we didn't get that enthusiasm or that stuff for like doing social media and those pieces that we wanted from them. But what we did is we got an incredible business acumen from some of the smartest guys in the world, Mm -hmm. helping us making sure that we manage our process and what we're doing behind the scenes. You know, from a from a business model, you know, standpoint. But yeah, I mean, it's. uh, and one of the guys asked me, he goes, what's your plan B? And I said, I don't have one. He goes, where do you want me to write the check? There we go. I was going to say, good. Because if you got a plan B, you got a, you got a, a net to fall on, you, you know, you're going to take some chances that you maybe shouldn't take. Money doesn't solve everything. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you, know, you could go, you could model Nantucket red jeans. I mean, you look good in those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's below the table with the other 14 inches uh, right, right. of snow. 14 inches of it's snow. Of snow. <laughs> of snow. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh, yeah. One of the things I compared it to was, you remember the Huffington political race out in California? And she threw millions and millions yes, and millions yes, of dollars at I it. Do. And we, what happened? She yeah, lost. lost. Yeah. Passion. My, yeah. Good story. Quality, quality product. You know, I think that's, that's what happens. We, we saw it in the cigar industry of people coming right. into this industry, European companies spending fortunes and other people that came in with fortunes and money during the cigar right. boom and stuff. Uh, celebrities that came in with big names and nothing because they, they really didn't care. They were trying to right. make a buck. This is not the industry to come into and say, I'm coming in because I'm going to make a quick buck. That was the belief. In the in the early nineties, come in and make a quick. People product. want to be a part of something, but they don't want to put the effort well, into it. Well, and I think that's probably the secret to your success is that you're really good at developing. Well, thank you for saying very that. good relationships with people fairly quickly. And and I don't just mean as far as retailers go. I mean I've seen you work the sales floor when we're doing an event, and you can build a rapport with somebody very quickly. And I think you do that a hundred thousand times. And this is why, or a million times, yeah, why it takes 10 years yes. to be an overnight success in this industry, because you've got to build those individual relationships. What other industry can you have a principal owner of a company standing there humping a single cigar or a buy right. three, get $10 one free? Item. It doesn't happen in any other industry. Yeah. Rolex? No. 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 Yeah. And we're talking about a high-end item. It's not going to end up happening. So the, the best salesman is the guy that owns the company. Is If he can't sell the company, True. sell the brand. Um, Speaking of sell the company, we just did our uh, show on uh, conspiracy yeah. theories. Uh, anyone knocking at your door? You got anything <laughs> you want to share? I know you no, like, I, I, no, really no. like not sharing, but... No, but I've had some pretty interesting people say, we're enjoying watching your growth. Would, yeah, would they call that in the pedophile world? They call that grooming. No comment. Would there ever be a merger? You know, we talk about acquisitions and stuff, but two alike companies merging for um, okay for the better good of everything. So, how do you get along with Saka? <laughs> you never see us in the same room, do you? Uh, no, I love Saka. Yeah, <laughs> Saka loves busting my ball. I love Saka. Uh, I've always looked up to Saka. I mean, it's my love for Saka. Uh, with all his idiosyncrasies, goes back to his old JR days when he used to oh. write print for. Right. And they were hilarious. And it was funny because, the, you know, catalogs were the Antichrist back in the day. Sure. And we would sit there and read those catalogs. And then David would work in the, walk into Georgetown tobacco. We had to quickly hide it. But they were so funny. Right. We would take his quippets and talk about some of the cigars that we were selling on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. But you were talking about mergers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you fathom. Uh, companies merging together because you see the superpowers that oh, come there. His Scandinavian tobacco took Alec Bradley. Yeah. Uh, who ends up knowing what happens with Alec and Bradley? But they're they're way too wealthy to give have, have passion. I think I I I I I, I disagree with you. Okay, you- uh, Alan has such an incredible love for his family. I mean, sure. if well, you talk a guy that busted his ass his whole life, yep. And still manage the family and raise those yeah. kids, a beautiful wife. And I think I'm kind of in the same scenario. I don't have 72 million in the bank. Yeah. But, and you look at the enthusiasm. I haven't really talked to Alan too, uh, um, but if you talk to Alec too much, but Bradley, I see out in the field. So, Bradley, if you took Joe Dirt and Maverick from Takan and they had a baby, it would be, it'd be Bradley Group. Uh, I know, but uh, his enthusiasm, what he's been doing out in the field, 
and making sure that that company uh, is the forefront is is great. I, I can't see Bradley walking away from something. I mean, really? So he's going to work for Skin and Avon today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know him that well. I'm not his friend to talk. But God, I mean, he spends time in the factory. He spends time in the field. He loves interacting with. People. He likes people like I like people. He likes story. He likes coming with a quality product. He likes the creative part. He likes the design part. You can't stop somebody from doing that. Look at Tim Osgener. Yeah. I mean, he's back. Yeah. And he's bringing that enthusiasm and that excitement to it. And when he starts amping up his tours, which I'm sure you're going to see because I know his work ethic, you're going to see a lot. He's going to he's going he's going to do something. He's going to modify the industry just like he did, he did the last time. Okay. Do you see any? Uh, and you you don't have to name names, but you can, certainly can um, of people that not were already in the industry, but some shining star of. A newer person that says, "Okay, this is going to be the next big guy." You can see his work ethic. You can see. Well, Terrence Riley is a perfect example of that. What he's done with Agonorsa. Okay. With the rebranding, the enthusiasm. He's down in the factories. He's down there working with the tobacco. And kudos I, to Eduardo Fernandez for giving oh, him the reins and yes. saying, "Take this, run with it." He kind of reminds me a little bit when I was that age. You know, I wish I was that age again <laughs> with that knowledge and that access. I didn't have the access that that he has back then, but. If you look at what he's doing and what he brings to the table with the validation and this and yeah. the flex and the muscle and all that stuff and, and, and the fun that he's having out in the field. Yeah. Both the field and the Fincas, you know. So, but, yes. but, uh Yeah. And I think he brings a lot of excitement in, in those khaki pants and, and golf shirt, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot. I think that geekdom is there, but it's, it's shifting. I agree with you. The, the, the people do have new fatigue. And what's good fatigue? Instead of let's find out what's new, let's smoke something we haven't smoked. Like we were talking about the perception of my company. My company, the perception out there is we're everywhere. We're not. And we know that. I mean, the numbers. But there's people that haven't even smoked the St. Francis Toro, our number one selling SKU. Yeah. Like you have 24 hot boxes on back order. We've got a container coming, by the way. Um, So, oh, we'll airship them. But, you know, it's it's those things. And I think that's, I like it. It gives me energy. To see the energy of of Rick, Tim, you know, Miguel Shodell, uh, uh, Saka, Miguel's another best hire one. ever in the history. That was my one of my first hires, and yeah. God, the guy was just he's just phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and, and you you see this this enthusiasm. It's a renewed enthusiasm. I guess I was calling Renaissance or something. I think it's I think it's amazing. I love it, and it keeps your. Listen, sometimes it's hard to get out of bed, put your foot on the ground, and get to the airport. Well, you know, takes, my commute to work is the airport. You know, basically. it takes strength and character to be able to pull that off. Great segue. It's time for incredible feats of strength. Beat you Brought to, to it. you I by can Camacho feel it. Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around, and they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision. The strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. And I have with me the top 17 jobs that it takes strength and character to keep. And we are down to number 10, which is being a chef with an average salary of $48,000. You listen to this, Chef Charlie. This is one of the toughest businesses to be as a chef. Number 10. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's harder top 10. to be a chef than be a bodyguard. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which explains why Barry, you know, he says he was a bodyguard, but he's never said he was a chef. <laughs> okay. I mean, it all, it all, all the I, facts are starting to I line had, up. I he a, looks like a chef. We had a diner. Was I a chef? 
Yes. Really? Uh, how many people did you have working under you? One. Two, three at the most. If you're up when you have three, yes, you're a chef. Right. <laughs> uh, On a Saturday morning, we had three. The number mm-hmm. of people in this with this job in the United States is about 129,000. Have you ever organized a dinner party and had to prepare different meals to suit each guest's taste? Never. Well, imagine doing that every night at a restaurant filled with hungry diners. As the head of the kitchen, chefs are tasked with creating recipes that can satisfy a variety of palates, making sure meals are prepared quickly and correctly, especially if a customer asks for the dreaded modification. Or worse, worse, what if they have an allergy? No substitution. And taking the heat if anything goes wrong, not to mention the literal heat of the kitchen, which is which can cause accidents and injur- injuries. That is a chef. Wow. Number ten. So you thought you it's thought Chef gig. Charlie just living the life. He just gets to eat the food. Yes. But he's got to come up with he's the recipes. In the, he's in the top ten. So I'm sure cigar shop owner is not going to be in the in the top nine. And he sent me a list of food, uh, you know food safety protocols. <laughs> so <laughs> good for the next time I uh, decide I want to cook something. Yeah, just have a chef make your food for you. Yeah. You like dirty sausage, huh? <laughs> it wasn't dirty sausage. It was, it was undercooked. The, undercooked. It was not undercooked. It was scored. It was flaccid. I made. Uh, pork belly, and I scored the skin and drove botulism right in the inside, and it just never was killed by the uh, the cooking process. But that's the way it is. And uh, so you you feel like there is a renewed uh, passion here going on to the cigars as far as the manufacturer goes. How about the consumer? That I'm not feeling that. The younger generation, and the younger generation is a 30-year-old, by the way. It's not somebody in their 20s. When I was, I got into the business in 85, 1990, 30-year-olds started coming in to buy cigars. So the thing is, right now, I don't see a lot of 30-year-olds. And I think the the problem is, one is vape, and two is marijuana. So that is our competition in the cigar industry, is I want to relax and have a cigar. That was the whole idea of it, camaraderie and everything. Well, we'll s- smoke marijuana. Oh, together. even worse, you put them together. You got marijuana vapes. Yeah, you can you can vape a friggin' cherry bomb marijuana, and it doesn't smell like weed. It just smells like cherries in the air. Flavored f- flavor cigar laws against flavored cigars. They're, they're trying to stop Correct. that, but they're not. Flavored marijuana is not a problem at all. Right. So we've lost a hundred percent of. We're going to lose a hundred percent of the flavored cigar market to marijuana. They'll smoke marijuana that's flavored. They want something with a flavor to it, um, and the, um, the the vape thing on top of that of the younger generation that started maybe ten years ago. Right. Um, I don't see a younger generation, and even the people you're talking about that's coming back in here, we're all older now. So we need young. What are we- yeah, and I think there's getting younger components. I mean, look at Ricky, you know, uh, with with his daughter down there in um, in uh, you know tobacco school, basically the way he kind of learned. He's he's putting her through the process of the way he kind of learned the industry from the bottom up. You know, literally from the soil up. You know, so from soil to shelf. Um, you know, and I and I and I think that's fantastic. And I think we will do that and find the right young people. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? But you need to have enthusiastic people that are brand owners 
or, or brand managers of larger companies. As long as they don't sell out, though. So you took <laughs> Alan Rubin, and I'm happy for him and everything. He, I looked at him and said, oh, my God, here's the next generation that's going to come in. The Rubin kids are going to do it. You could see them working it. I don't and, see Bradley walking then away. Then he sold out. So it's like, ugh. Well, the okay. interesting thing about that is really, wouldn't it just be Alan that would have the non-compete? It's not like the kids are going to be on a non-compete. No, I think they, I think they got a so non-compete, they take, too. Oh, do they? they do, yeah. I'm pretty sure they do. They got it Really? Um, it's, a, it's not as big as you think it is. And wow. remember, I don't want to talk on behalf of another yeah, company. But, I understand. But remember, their name is At Alec talking and Bradley, time. and the company is <laughs> Alec Bradley. So you would want to non-compete from Alec and Bradley from Alec. Bradley. I did ask them. I said, did they get Alec and Bradley? Because I, I love the way they did that. You know, they had yeah. Alec Bradley and then Alec and Bradley. He goes, oh, they got everything. Right. I go, well, for $72 million, I guess you <laughs> Yeah. So they, they cover their – you know, and you, you can see Nicholas Perdomo. He's into it. And he's going to be Big Perdomo. Time. But imagine if Nick sold out, and then that goes away. Can anybody afford to buy Nick? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They you know, if you, if you, we were talking about if you base the limits on $72 million. Right. What's Nick worth? Well, that's, that's the trouble that just happened. Starts with a B. Yeah. That's the trouble that just happened. That uh, Nick Perdomo, Rocky Patel, can you imagine the value? And these are independently owned companies. Right. Nick Perdomo owns Perdomo, and Rocky Patel owns Rocky Patel. These are, you know, Alan Rubin owned Alec Bradley. Well, Alec Bradley goes to $72 million. What do these entities go for? Holy God. And then who is the person that could possibly do that? So there's, there's only a couple that w- would possibly <laughs> do that. And um, Two, maybe. Two that I think are going to maybe afford do, them. Do you remember what the number was or for... Three. Um, Drew Estate, what that went for? hundred uh, so, something thousand? hundred something was million? It, was it that much? I, yeah, I, 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 don't know. I can't remember. It was a big number. So let, let's say for a round number, it was $150 million. That, that pie was cut up a bunch of different ways, yes. though, too. But for Alec Bradley to go for 70 something million, I mean, that seems like a, a big number. But I know they made a lot, and I say made, but I know they um, brokered brands for other people so the number was higher um you know um you know uh, big private label business yeah private label for different things that did they own that factory the racy's no, factory no. i thought they or they had some kind of financial involvement not with it? at all okay not, not at, at all. all um so they broke it basically these deals and now the person that owns the the real brand you think Scandinavian now owns that, but they don't own that because the, the guy that has the brand can go anywhere he where he wants. Right. And we may see that. And I, I know personally some people that do that. First off, there was always the question of why would you go to Alec Bradley to make cigars for you, considering they don't make cigars. You know, it, it, should, it didn't make sense to me. Well, they kind of broker it. They watch it for me. They're my eyes and ears, and it just... And there's okay. distribution agreements uh, you can do. I yeah. mean, you know... You know, I've I've bounced a lot of my ideas off of you. You know, yeah. And we, you know, we talked about all these different things because you've always been a great confidant with me and, and helping me grow my business. So you don't know. I mean, there could like you know, you came up with you talked to me about something the other day that was really interesting. I'm like, huh? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, hmm. You know. Uh, you were I'm listening. Like, yeah, I was listening. <laughs> I'm going to be taking notes right in front of you, just so you know. Yeah. That's what he said. Well, it, it's funny because. I was already kind of doing that with some other kind of situations, yeah. but I didn't think about putting that last piece you put in there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, 
Ed Sullivan, he's back to doing his little double talk thing where he's giving out words, but there, there's no information happening. Well, yeah, exactly, because I don't want somebody else to take the fucking idea. Well, <laughs> I assumed you were calling for a close to this. So I'm, I'm excited to hear. Of course, hear. I close on something that I didn't answer something. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I, I'm here. I'm happy about enthusiasm in the cigar business, wherever it comes from. Um, you see in cigar stores opening up. Yeah. Uh, cigar lounges, you're seeing uh, all different kinds of people, um, more women getting into the cigar yeah. industry than before. Uh, so this is all good. And this the African-American community is yeah, absolutely. Got, uh, absolutely. And they're coming in smarter than the old days. Yes. They, they're doing some due diligence before they open up the store. All right. Uh, next week on Saturday on the Cigar Authority, there is chocolate in my cigars. Uh, we've tasted it. We're going to tell you how it gets there and how to have Congressional victories in cigars. We're going to tell you how to do that. You can't fight City Hall. Hell yeah, you can. I'm going to tell you how to do that next week. Stick the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.